is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're going to talk about collaboration. Now, in all of my clients, collaboration, leading collaboratively, collaborative culture, collaborative leadership seem to be all the rage, and they certainly feature in the top few set of values and competencies in most of the businesses I deal with. However, I also have to admit that when I ask people what it means you're doing, what does collaboration really look like in practice, most people don't have a really good grasp of what it is they need to be doing to be collaborative. And if that isn't enough, all of us carry perceptions of what we think it means to lead, our inner model, if you will, about what we would be if we were an ideal leader. And often those perceptions are grounded in a model around control, around managing risk, and around managing people. And ultimately those models drive us towards some form of hierarchy. Now I wanna say there's nothing wrong with hierarchy, but it can can often get in the way of really generating deep collaboration. So we need a way to challenge our thinking, to look at our biases and our models, and to review our approaches. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So my guest today is Rachel Connerly. Rachel is the founder and managing partner of Collaborative Leaders, and she teaches a process called the Collaborative Operating System, which is a scalable and highly effective alternative to traditional hierarchical leadership. Rachel has been challenging leaders to break out of the hierarchical mythology and to see the world of leadership in a totally new way for over 20 years. She's done a lot of work in the public and private sector, and her clients include companies like ING, Coca-Cola Company, American Express, IBM, Burt's Bees, United Parcel Service, John Deere, and a host of others. So, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Wanda. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start at the top. You talk about this thing called the collaborative operating system. What is it and why do we need it? Great. Well, you know, as the name implies, it's an operating system. And in this case, it's an operating system for your work. So just like you'd use an OS or operating system to run your computer, you would use the COS, that's short for the Collaborative Operating System, to run your work, your team, your department, your organization, your club, your school. Um, you get the point. And what differentiates the Collaborative Operating System from the way people traditionally work is that this is an explicit system. And that is the rules are understood and they're agreed to. And so... Without the collaborative operating system, people sometimes find themselves working in a sea of implicity. I think I might have made that word up, but just in an implicit way and in a way that the rules and the culture and the way things get done is left largely implicit. And, you know, you just have to figure it out. 
sort of a trial and error approach. And this implicit approach, um, most of us know as hierarchy. Okay. So to your question about why we need it, um, you know, one of the reasons, and there are many, Wanda, but one is to deal with complexity. And so anytime the work has an element of social complexity or technical complexity, uh, we need a different approach because hierarchy is a one-dimensional system. You know, it's a straight line indicating that I tell you what to do. That's the hierarchical system, if you will. And we like to say that the collaborative operating system is multidimensional. You know, it was created to handle multiple stakeholders with competing interests who have different expertise, different experiences, different disciplines, and perhaps even a different worldview. So that's why we need it. All right, so... Um, certainly, without a doubt, I think we'd all agree that we're dealing with a multidimensional world. Complexity, um, my favorite word for the last couple of weeks is interdependency. We okay. need each other in ways we don't even like to talk about. And that, you know, our current way of managing just isn't very effective for it. Okay, so give me some clue what this co- um, collaborative operating system, COS, looks like. Like, what would the rules say? In a COS, what are the rules you say? Yeah, or what would you know? Some samples. What would that look like? Well, why don't I start by just sharing with you that when we teach the collaborative operating system, we teach four fundamentals and five elements, okay. and these pieces all reinforce each other. They're all integrated. They're all moving toward the same goal um, of high ownership and alignment. Those four fundamentals are explicit and implicit. That's one fundamental. The second is process and content. The third is ownership and alignment. And the fourth fundamental is win-win versus win-lose. Once we teach these to people, it's sort of like glasses that they put on Wanda, and they start to see the world through those fundamentals. Are they... Um, being attended to? Are they present? And so the next aspect of the the training are the the five elements. And those five elements are, first of all, identify the problem. You know, we start every effort by knowing what problem you're going to solve, making that explicit in the group. We've discovered that if a group doesn't know and agree and align on what problem they're solving – they'll never, ever be able to really fully sufficiently align on the solution. And the second element is involve the relevant stakeholders. So who needs to be involved and why? Uh, the third element is design and facilitate collaborative meetings. You know, meetings are the most fundamental structure of our work, and if we can get those right and make them collaborative, it tends to add up to collaborative projects, collaborative work, collaborative workplaces. And uh, the next element, fourth one, is form the team. So what are the rules by which we're going to work? You know, how are we going to resolve conflict? How are we going to communicate? You know, all of, how are we going to make decisions? All of that. 
And the final element of the five is make a plan, a collaborative plan. And that's really an opportunity to kind of bring it all together, um, the, make, the make a plan element. So, you know, we talk a lot, Wanda, about how hierarchy is the prevailing paradigm mm-hmm. and it's the go-to sort of default approach for all work. And um, what we're trying to do is just introduce an alternative, not to replace hierarchy, but to just say sometimes the social complexity or the technical complexity outstrips the ability of, of hierarchy to do a good job. And in those situations, um, the collaborative operating system is a viable and scalable alternative. Okay. All right. So just to repeat, and we'll come back and talk about how this works in practice in just a few minutes, but four fundamentals, explicit and implicit, one, Mm -hmm. two, process and content, three, ownership and alignment, and four, win-win versus win-lose. So those are the basic things that we have to get right. And then the step, the elements that we're going to use to get it right are identifying the problem identifying and involving stakeholders, designing and facilitating collaborative meetings, which seems to me a really core part here, and forming the team, sort of deciding what are our rules of engagement, if you will, and then making a collaborative plan. Okay, so if that's the com- the building blocks that make this collaborative system, let's go back to this notion of hierarchy is the default and you want to create an alternative. I could imagine doing all of those elements in ways that are slightly hierarchical. So how how do we stay out of, I know what the problem is I'm going to tell you, which is hierarchical. I know who the stakeholders are and I'm going to tell you and so forth. Yeah, great question. Well, you know, it's a spectrum, Wanda, and, and the spectrum you know, goes from uh, hierarchy to collaboration, if you will. And so there isn't a right or wrong way to use the collaborative operating system. There's only did you get enough ownership and alignment to actually make it work. One of the things that really helps people when they go through our training is that we actually use the collaborative operating system to teach the collaborative operating system. So they've had an experience of it, and uh, they have a sense of when they're going off the rails and maybe uh, defaulting, if you will, to that long-suffering uh, model that, that we call our default of hierarchy. Okay. Uh, and I can appreciate that there's a spectrum there and that there's some experience with it is going to make all the difference in the world. Um, now, I started this show by the, by saying that I felt the hierarchical model was so embedded in our psyche of what it means to lead. That's my statement. Do you find the same? Absolutely. You know, in fact, I think in the very difficult year of 2016 that we just had, a lot of people left uh, the consensus reality that we were a a democracy and they realized that there's a lot more hierarchy going on than maybe they they wanted to think. So I think it is very much um, a paradigm, you know. Yeah. I, it's a hard one to challenge. I find I've talked with groups about this whole notion of needing to be the hero. 
who rides in and saves the day. Fundamentally, though, that that is a hierarchical model, which says, I know more about how to solve this than you do. Follow me. Um, Or we want to be the visionary leader that has that strategic intent and know exactly where we're going and how we're doing and kind of lead the charge ahead in a brand new way. But that's also hierarchical. Or you want to be the expert who knows more, who knows stuff and can get stuff done. It's a kind of a classic framework for what it means to lead. And that's a hierarchical, as in I know more than you know. Now, I granted, everybody listening, I'm sure, n- knows better than to use hierarchy as saying, let me tell you what to do and how to do it and when to do it. That doesn't work very well. But there's a lot of shades of gray between that dictatorial form and some of the softer forms that are still hierarchical that we're espousing today. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and if that works for you, I think that's fine. Um, We're here in case it doesn't work. And I, I bet you are aware that there are certain personalities, if you will, that are actively looking for a more collaborative approach to leading and managing, they are a little uncomfortable, perhaps, uh, telling other people what to do. You know, when they do lead and manage, it tends to be kind of a, a collaborative style, but it's not one that lends itself to perhaps teaching other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not explicit. It's not been codified. You know, it's just them using their um, very related uh, collaborative personality to lead. So what we've done is make it into something that anybody who wants to can actually use this. They can teach it. They can, you know, it's a system. Okay. So a system with steps on what it looks like. All right, one last question, and then we're gonna we'll um, come back to talk about specifically how this looks. Yeah. Are there times when this collaborative operating system or the collaborative approach is really the only way forward? And I guess what I'm getting at is, can you help us understand when using a hierarchical approach is going to be the most effective, efficient way versus the collaborative approach? Well, that's a great question. Um, Here's some conditions which might require the collaborative operating system. When you have a problem that you've been unable to resolve to your satisfaction, you know, just something that plagues you is ongoing, Um, or when you have a project that extends outside a hierarchical organization, you know, perhaps two different companies want to collaborate to bring something new to market. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another similar example to that one would be if you have a cross-functional project team, in which case, again, uh, nobody on the team is reporting to anybody else. You can't force something. So those are great examples which are very likely to require uh, the collaborative operating system. And the third one I might mention is just when you want to change the culture. You know, it's really hard to change the culture to a collaborative one using hierarchy. And I would say that's the number one mistake that change efforts make. You know, they sort of sow the seeds of destruction before they've ever gotten started um, by leading with a hierarchically imposed initiative. Okay. Okay. 
So this notion of collaborative operating system is most effective if I translate for you when we got a problem that we haven't been able to solve any other way, we might as well give a go at this one. Or when there's a creative solution that needs to be made, like there's new to market, or when there is no hierarchy in the team, so the hierarchical model is only going to breed resentment. Okay? Yeah. All right. So two minutes before we take a break, Rachel, can you give me a quick example of something one of your clients accomplished by using this collaborative example, uh, collaborative operating system? Sure. Um, I'll give you an example of a gal named Sasha who worked at a very um, well-known biotech company out in San Francisco, and she's a young leader, and her style was very collaborative already, you know, just her way of being in the world, if you will, and she had a globally dispersed team of seven, um, and so she wanted to use this to help this new team come together and identify their strategic objectives for the year. So what we did, and here's where you'll hear the difference between the collaborative operating system and and hierarchy, Wanda, we bootstrapped our way to a full-blown collaborative strategic planning meeting in Basel. And we did that by meeting first with a couple of representatives of the seven, and then the three uh, people created a meeting design by which the full group or the full team of seven could then design their strategic meeting in Basel. And then they met in person for the meeting, um, the strategic planning meeting, and just really solidified relationships and did uh, some of the best work any of them had ever done. They kicked the year off well. So that was an example of a not too large but um, still significant project that we use the COS to, to work with. I love that one, Rachel, as much as I spend my time thinking about collaboration and how you build collaborative cultures, inclusive cultures as well. I have to admit that I never have stopped to question the agenda setting and whether or not by setting the agenda, you're actually driving the hierarchy because that's your authority as a hierarchy to set that agenda. So you use the COS to actually help the group design the meeting that they wanted to have in order to set the goals. For the year, I love it. It's fabulous. That's okay, right. they've learned it too. By the end of that, they've had quite an experience of it. You know, several meetings, and uh, one of them multi-day. You know, a week-long meeting. Okay. All right. Well. We're going to take a break at this point. When we come back, I want to talk about how do you actually use this system. So we'll get a little more tactical than we have been. The notion is the collaborative operating system. My guess is Rachel Connerly. This is her specialty. And the notion is that we have such a strong implicit view of a hierarchical system of operating that we need to be explicit about an alternative approach that is generates collaborative. And I'm going to repeat for you, there are five elements, identifying the problem, involving stakeholders, designing and facilitating collaborative meetings, forming the team and the rules of engagement, and making the collaborative plan. And this starts from the top even when you are designing the first meeting to go, as I've just been reminded. So when we come back, we'll get more tactical about what that means you do as a leader. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. We've been talking about the collaborative operating system, so an explicit system for how you lead in a collaborative way and that forces you to challenge your hierarchical thinking. So with me today is Rachel Connerly. Rachel's the founder and managing partner of Collaborative Leaders, Inc. It's an organization that teaches the collaborative operating system, which is a scalable and highly effective alternative to a traditional hierarchical leadership. She's got over 20 years in organizational development, leadership management consulting, and she's worked in both the public and private sector with a range of clients, including ING, Coca-Cola, American Express, Burt's Bees, John Deere, to name just a few. If you'd like to reach Rachel, she's at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at the cause, T-H-E-C-O-S dot org. Okay, Rachel, so the collaborative operating system. Now, I get the sense of that this is going to force me to rethink how I do my role as a leader. And let's say for the moment that I'm convinced that this is exactly what I need for my business at this moment in time. How do I go about doing it? What are the steps I need to follow? Kind of give us a play-by-play on what I need to do as a leader. Sure. So there's a couple of ways that you could... uh, approach this and begin to bring it into your own style or your organization. Um, One is to just use it. And I gave an example of someone in the last segment who used it for a strategic planning meeting. So anytime you have an opportunity for some meeting that you could run using the COS or some project, 
uh, that would be a great way to bring it in because it tends to sell itself if people get a chance to use it. And the other approach would be to just learn it. So we teach a public course once a year, and people can sign up for that. The next one is fall of 2017. And the public course is taught in teleseminar format over eight weeks. And this format is advantageous because you actually learn how to structure work for globally dispersed work groups and teams by watching how we structure the course. So participants in this public teleseminar have three touch points. Um, First, there's a big group called Wanda that's interactive. We do breakout segments. They mimic a real classroom experience. The second touch point in the teleseminar is that they have a partner, and they do some homework, which is actually real work that they have to do for their job anyway. And the third touch point is a small group call with an instructor, and again, they get to practice concepts and do their real work. So I think I mentioned earlier that we use the COS to teach the COS. It's this integrated experience for people. And most of our graduates report that it is a very satisfying learning experience. It's just very well organized. It's very logical. Okay, and if I wanted to sign up for this course, this public course, I presume I could go to your website, yeah. thecos.org. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, one of the best ways to understand, Wanda, what the COS is, is to contrast it with hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to do that? Just make yes. a little... Yeah, yeah. This is helpful to people, and it's ha- helpful anytime you're dealing with a paradigm to contrast it. Um, so hierarchy tends to be largely implicit, and by that we mean that the rules and norms are not stated. Um, We all know what it's like to join a group or organization and try to figure things out. Um, And, of course, we're an explicit system by contrast. The rules and norms are known. Another distinction is the underlying values. And so in a hierarchy, the values are power and authority. Those are pretty much left implicit. I mean, nobody walks around saying, by the way, the values here are power and authority. But power and authority are the currency in the hierarchical system. They're how you get things done. You know, the more power and authority that you have, the more you can accomplish in a hierarchy. And without power and authority, it's pretty difficult to accomplish very much. And so this creates a culture where people are competing and they're striving to accumulate power and authority because it's critical to getting things done. And so this is a key way that hierarchy tends to impede collaboration, um, to your words, impede. Sometimes um, I may feel, if I'm in a hierarchy, that I've got to choose between collaborating with you and improving my own power base. So that becomes a problem of power and authority. In the COS, by contrast, the values are ownership and alignment, and we actually call them principles. They're the principles on which the entire system is based. And so all of the uh, elements are, and the fundamentals, are actually ways of operationalizing 
the principles of ownership and alignment. How do you operationalize ownership and alignment in every aspect of your work? And so the more proficient and adept you are at creating ownership and alignment with the stakeholders, the more you're able to accomplish. And so if you wanted to increase sales in your company in a hierarchy, you know, the sales function might be driving that effort. But if you were using the collaborative operating system, the process would extend out to the various stakeholders. You know, it might include the innovation team, the product development folks, the marketing, the customer service, and and consumers. And so when you extend the scope like that, you create a lot of complexity. You know, anytime you add people, you're adding social complexity and potentially a lot of technical complexity as well. And so the COS was made to handle that. And I know you've probably experienced uh, as soon as you get a lot of complexity in the room, if you don't have somebody like you in there to manage it, it can get out of hand pretty quickly. The third distinction and the final one I'll, I'll make between the two systems is that hierarchy can be a win-lose endeavor. People typically experience it this way at some point. That, that is that it can feel like a zero-sum game and a finite pie that we're trying to divvy up. And this is actually, you know, the nature of hierarchy itself. There's fewer and fewer slots as you go up the food chain. And so the COS, by contrast, is a win-win system. And so going back to those principles of ownership and alignment, you know, if my team, Wanda, has a high level of ownership over a new candidate that we plan to hire, and we're aligned about how we're going to onboard this new person, then there's going to be a real sense of win-win. So just to summarize this contrast between hierarchy and the COS, the fact that the COS is an explicit system and it's based on these radically different and explicit principles of ownership and alignment and that these principles in practice create a win-win culture, these are important and potentially transformative distinctions between these two systems. Okay. Yeah. So an explicit set of rules and norms. So we all know how it's happening. Everybody's a fair, even playing field in some ways. Uh A process, a a way of approaching a set of values that are around creating ownership and alignment and that now spread that out to lots of people, not just something contained that I can control. And then creating the net result as a win-win. Now, it strikes me that the hardest part of all of that is understanding what ownership and alignment is. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I can think about ownership and alignment in a hierarchical way. As in, I want you to own this, and I want you to own that, and I want the three of you to be aligned. Yeah. I don't think that's what you meant, though. So can you give us an example of what this looks like, particularly when I now start opening something up to include multiple stakeholders with competing interests, and I still have a budget and a timeline to hit. Yeah, yeah. So ownership is present for people. It is a felt experience when they have a say in creating it, in what it is, when they have a hand in developing it. You know, one of the things we say is that people don't um, wash rented cars. 
mm-hmm. but they take care of what they own. So the ability to elicit from people um, what it is they think we should be doing with this new project, uh, product development project, or with this new endeavor, uh, this new spinoff in our business, those are examples of how you might uh, think about ownership. All right, so I can imagine I ask a bunch of people what it is they think. Let's say we got a new project going, and I am named as the lead on that project. So I'm in yeah. a leadership role. But if I'm going to do this in a collaborative operating system way, I would talk to multiple people, some of the team members, as well as some of the recipients of the teamwork, some of the stakeholders, about what they think should be going on. Okay, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. And what do I do now when I end up with totally disparate information and no way forward? (laughs) Yes, that magical ability to synthesize, right? You know, a group that has a well-trained collaborative facilitator is not going to likely find themselves in wildly disparate places very often. And when they do, um, we help them understand this as a concept. We call it the grown zone. And, you know, the grown zone is where we are now, as you say, Wanda, out of our comfort zone, and we need to begin to explore what it is, some of the assumptions behind people's ideas and so forth, so that we can begin to synthesize. But, you know, a really good facilitator has the ability to uh, practically perform magic in terms of synthesizing disparate points of view. Okay, and by synthesize, do you mean that notion of let's get down to what it is we all agree on and then separate that out from the one, two, three things that we really do disagree on so that our discussions and debates on those can be targeted. Is that what you mean? You know, that would be a great strategy. I I tend to think of this in terms of transformation. So the ability to actually let go of my position because I now understand your position to be... A better, a better fit for what we're trying to do. Now, you know, granted, as soon as you start trying to run the collaborative operating system like an app, if you will, on a hierarchical platform or in a hierarchical organization, you know, it does get tricky, Wanda, because those values of power and authority start to um, mess with the collaborative experience that people are trying to have. That said, um, the quality of work and the quantity that people are able to do using the COS, uh, especially when you have people that don't report to each other, is far superior to what people can do with hierarchy, um, you know, in similar circumstances. Okay, I'm still stuck on this running the meeting. So, you know, if I go back to your five elements and you said, you know, identifying the problem, identifying and finding the right stakeholders and getting them included and involved, and you said running a collaborative meeting was number three. Um, What does that look like? 
Yeah, yeah, and it's that element is called design and facilitate collaborative meetings. And mm-hmm. so we actually, through the course, offer participants a number of templates, Wanda. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like color by number. <laughs> and, of course, you can create your own templates and do things however you want. But this is just sort of training wheels, if you will. So there's a meeting design template. And, you know, in addition to the logistical information of where the meeting is and what time it starts and and those important things, it actually starts with a problem statement. Mm -hmm. And so before we ever attend a meeting, we know what problem that meeting is designed to solve. And so right, right off the bat, we're kind of pre-aligned at, at a pretty high level. Um, out of the problem statement falls the goal or intention for the meeting. So that's the next thing listed on the meeting design template. And under that, the agenda. And the agenda differs from a lot that you have perhaps seen uh, in your work in organizations in that it lists not only the objective or the outcome we're looking for, which may be a new name for our business, for example, um, but it also lists the process by which we are going to co-create that new name for our business. Okay. Yeah. And it's, is there more than one process that you teach? Mm, lots and lots of different processes. You know, people okay. get sort of a cheat sheet, if you will, and we also offer them a cheat sheet of process combinations. So we'll say, you know, these particular three processes <laughs> tend to work well in combination. Okay. We're trying to make it easy for people, you know, so it. that they have a yeah good experience right off the bat. All right. So can you give me an example of a process that you would use? Yeah. I mean, one very simple process is is counsel. And we define counsel as, you know, we go around the room and each person registers um, an opinion or a point of view or or whatever it is, um, whatever the question at hand is, without interruption. And so, you know, Wanda, how... Typically, meetings can easily devolve into conversations, and one person says something, and then off we go down the rabbit hole. Um, but counsel is a really good process that enables us to go around the room and gather information from every participant. Uh, and often what happens out of that, quite frankly, is people see that they're already very close. They're already more on the same page than maybe they would have imagined. But it's also a great way for a facilitator like you or me to take the temperature of a group. Mm -hmm. So how are you feeling about uh, the new performance management system? You know, what's your your feelings about it? So we just go around and do do counsel. Okay. Can you give me a second one just so I get a bit more perspective? Yeah. So discussion uh, and dialogue. And um, those are two different processes. And you can see that I've combined them there. So discussion is more of a advocating for your point of view. In a discussion, I'm advocating, trying to get my way, 
trying to help you see my way. Uh, in dialogue, I'm much more in exploration. You know, I'm curious. What do you think about this? What is your experience of this? And so combining the two, we can do plenty of exploration, but also at times advocate for what it is that we want. So that's a very popular process combination. Okay, great. And do you encourage people to actually be explicit about what they're doing? I'm advocating at this point of view. No, I'm exploring at this point of view. You know, it depends on what people want to do with that. I, When we're teaching it, we really are teaching it with a lot of rigor. You know, we're teaching the full strength COS, and just in case you want to run over to the Middle East and create world peace with it. But a lot of times what you and I go back into our organizations and use is going to be a lot more diluted, more simplistic. Okay. Okay. All right. So let me see if I can summarize this one for the this segment, and then we'll take a break. Okay. So again, it's the Collaborative Operating System, COS. I'm going to keep stumbling on that word. So CS, COS is going to work for me. Three ways in which the COS differs from our traditional view of hierarchy. One is a hierarchical model is often implicit, meaning the rules and norms are not very stated. You sort of figure them out over time. Trial and error, more error often than successes. Mm -hmm. Whereas COS is explicit. We're going to be very clear about what the rules are of how we interact with each other when communicate and so on. Second is that the values in a hierarchical model are around power and authority. The more I have power and authority, the more stuff I get done. So my goal is to accumulate power and authority or to accumulate other people who have power and authority. Mm -hmm. Whereas the COS system, it's really around creating ownership and alignment where I broaden out the number of people involved, the complexity of the number of people involved, and through that create alignment and ownership carefully makes my blood pressure go up in some ways thinking about it and the third is that that creates an experience of win-win versus feeling like there's a zero-sum game and only so much that anybody can get to divvy up to do that we have a number of processes that are going to make a difference and one of those is being explicit about the agenda so that you start with not only the logistics but the problem statement the goal or the intention and the objectives and outcomes and process by which you are going to run a meeting. So people come prepared to know what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, again, in a very explicit way. Sounds um, straightforward. I can imagine the practice of this day-to-day, particularly when it challenges our hierarchical view, is quite a different one. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about can you do this with your team even if you exist in a very hierarchical company or more importantly, if your boss is very hierarchical. So with me today is Rachel Connolly. Her organization is Collaborative Leaders. And if you want to know more, it's T-H-E-C-O-S dot org. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. 
You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Rachel Connerly. Rachel is the founder and managing partner of Collaborative Leaders, an organization that teaches the Collaborative Operating System, COS for short, a scalable and highly effective alternative to traditional hierarchical leadership. Rachel offers a public course if you'd like to know more about the system and learn all the templates and processes that she's just been talking about. Visit her website at thecos.org. Okay, Rachel, collaborative operating system, COS, I'm sold, but suppose my boss is a very hierarchical manager, in fact, very much a command and control, and is very keen to make sure that everything underneath me is tightly buttoned down, no risks, no surprises, can I use your system, and if so, how? Yeah, sure. Um In my experience, the COS is simply a superior approach to all work, so you could use it in any situation, even if you're only using it inside your own head to kind of organize your thoughts about the work. In the example you just provided, um, presumably you'd have the freedom to use it with your team that reports to you, so you'd be clear there, but with your command and control boss, you might be more limited. Suppose your boss says, Wanda, I want you to hire an innovation specialist. That's kind of command and control. You could say, in true COS style, great, would you articulate the problem that we'll need to solve with this innovation specialist? 
And then let's brainstorm a list of objectives they'll need to accomplish, and I'll draw up a job description and get this in play. So in this example, you're making the problem explicit with your boss, and you recall that identifying the problem is the first element of the COS, so we're using it there. You know, a high-quality, explicit problem statement goes a long way to help people arrive at a solution that is a win-win and experienced as a win-win. So if the boss said, you know, we're lagging behind our competition, that's my problem statement, um, you might get the opportunity then to probe a little more. You know, maybe that the products are too difficult to use, and that's why you're lagging behind the competition. Maybe you don't need a new innovation specialist. But um, I, I trust the user to use as much as they can get away with with their command and control boss and, and not a bit more. Does that answer it? It does answer it. So let, let me come back at this in a slightly challenging way. Mm. You know, I'm positioning myself. I want a new promotion. I want a special rating. I want a bigger opportunity, any variation on that theme. But I've been positioning myself with my boss as being a bit of a strategic leader and a go-getter and a make-it-happen. And my boss says, go hire an innovation specialist. And if I sit down to say, let's brainstorm the objectives, do I then look like I don't know the answers myself, or how do I handle that concern? Mm. Yeah, the value here is ownership and alignment. You know, you're trying to understand the problem uh, and the solution at the same level, the same depth that your boss understands it. And so, you know, so often when people are delegating, when um, bosses are delegating, they, they really don't give sufficient uh, insight and information that the person can actually do a really high-quality job for them. So this would simply be a way to, to do that. It's a good method or system, if you will, for delegation. Okay. Oh, so I can actually use this as a way to delegate to my team even. Absolutely. I like that one. I Absolutely. like that one. Build ownership and alignment around the problem you want to solve and a few objectives, and you're off and running. So ownership and alignment around the objective, around the objectives or the problem, okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, suppose I exist in an organization that fundamentally values, um, whether it's stated on the walls with the corporate values or not, but that what gets rewarded is power and authority. Power, control, risk management, a button down, everything's running smoothly. Um, do I, can I use it still in that same kind of world? You definitely can. Uh, once again, if only in your own mind to help you understand the work in a comprehensive way. This is a highly strategic system. Uh, one of the most strategic things any of us can ever do is understand the problem we're trying to solve. And so by just using a few of the elements, even in your own mind, um, you become a much more articulate person. Uh, you sound more strategic. People often remark when they're done taking the COS, they are the most strategic person in the room, um, in, a, in a room where they weren't previously. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds good. I like that one. So yeah. the sounding strategic is because I take the time to truly understand the problem at the same depth as other people around me who are delegating it to me or asking me to solve it. And I take the time to um, understand the real objectives that are, are around that problem. So it's not just that I have the problem statement. I have some measurable outcomes of what it might look like. And that that's the beginning piece that allows me to be quite articulate and quite strategic about where we're yeah. going and what we're trying to do. Yeah, and you've just articulated, Wanda, the nuts and bolts of one of the other templates that we offer okay. people. It's called the problem-solving template. And so we just teach people to listen and plug in the information they're hearing into the problem-solving template, and they will emerge with a very well-organized psyche, a well-organized understanding of of what the landscape of the the work and the problem looks like. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Um, let me do one last question to you, Rachel, which is, you know, we started at the top of the show uh, assuming that hierarchy impedes collaboration. Does it really and why in your view? Yeah. Well, the hierarchical values of power and authority play hardball with team values, with relationship values, with transparency values. And so, as I said earlier, power and authority have me constantly choosing between my own best interests and those of my coworkers. And this is an opportunity for people to actually transcend that. You know, the COS is the way people naturally want to work. And so it, it take, takes hold pretty easily. You know, people kind of go along with it because their voice is being heard. And um, in this way, you can slide it into a lot of meetings and work situations without calling a lot of attention to it, without using a lot of jargon. Okay. Yeah. I love that. You can use it without calling attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Don't just tell a matter of using it. <laughs> okay. It's just a matter of changing the way we think about the problem. All right. So, Rachel, let me see if I can summarize what this COS looks like in the basic steps. So, I get that from a values point of view, it's a very different starting place as opposed to being related to, to being power and authority is what's in control. This is much more relationship, collaboration, team orientation in it together is really the value centric. And that I make this work by focusing first on really understanding the problem at depth and articulating that in a way that we're all on the same page and we know where we're going. The second thing is I make sure I really understand what the objectives would look like because otherwise how do I know if I'm achieving that problem or solving that problem? And the third is with those in place, I use a variety of processes to create some ownership and alignment, particularly when I broaden out the stakeholders and get many more voices included. When I do that, I'm looking to create synergy, find the points of synergy, and use that to drive forward to this ownership and alignment. You're you're a quick study, Wanda. All right, Rachel. Fascinating. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I think the thing that stands out for me is, once again, how much we all know we need collaboration and how hard it is to do on a day-to-day basis when all the other driving forces are around control, in effect, in one place or another. So, Rachel, 
is a managing founder and managing partner of Collaborative Leaders. If you'd like to know more, the website is thecos.org. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Wanda. This was a lot of fun. Great. All right. Now, next week, we're going to talk again with Michael Bungay-Stanier to celebrate the anniversary of The Coaching Habit, the number one coaching book on Amazon for 95% of the year, 400 five-star reviews, and over 100,000 copies sold. It's a great model for coaching and highly consistent with this collaborative approach. Join us then. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.